Road. We're your hosts, Ricky and Alyssa. We're here to share the success stories of people who took the opportunity to join the trades and how these opportunities can be achieved by anyone looking for success. Our work may be seasonal, but our stories don't have to be. Become your own success story. One thing I wanted to ask you, Charlie, was um, how has um, the culture and stuff improved your life like about where you're at right now today you know like um i i I know that you help a lot of people and you do a lot of good in the communities and in your felt communities across indian country you know and um where do you plan to go with that so the you know getting my ojibwe name first when i first sobered up you know that was really important to me and they kind of i what i did with my ojibwe name I didn't, I didn't grow up with that spiritual. I, we were spiritual people, but we weren't. We weren't. We didn't have the language, and we didn't have ceremony per se, except for deer hunting. You know, Smith people are my family. We've been given a way to hunt that's been passed on from generation to generation to generation. Going all the way back to, you know, when we were really, you know, on the East Coast probably. It's been one way that we've we've hunted. And so using that, using kind of using that always as like a grounding thing in my, in my own head and in my own identity, I could build upon that. So when I got my Ojibwe name for months... And even now, I'll catch myself. Well, how does that Ojibwe name apply to my life? Why is it, why do why do I have that Ojibwe name? What does it mean to me? What does it explain about who I am? And I'll always, I'll always go back to that. And for months, when I first sobered up, I would think about my Ojibwe name and what that meant to me, what it really meant to me, how I perceive things, how I view myself in the community, how I view myself in functions, events, classrooms, all of it. I would just always think about, well, how am I being, how am I, how am I being that person? How am I, how am I doing that? And I would always think about what the Ojibwe names, Ojibwe name really means. And what you're not, you're not supposed to, it's not culturally inappropriate to translate your name even though people do it all the time. Even during ceremony, during funerals, people will say, I'll ask people, I say, what was their Ojibwe name? I don't know what the, my relative's Ojibwe name was, but I know their translation. Well, I can't make it up. I can't, I can't use the translation. Well, can you translate that back into Ojibwe? No, nope, I can't do that either. Be like if I was given that person that that Ojibwe name. <clears throat> so, you know, people expect the nice thing, and they might think that it's you know I, I might be might be being rude or disrespectful by saying 
no, I can't do that. No, I won't. It's, it's, it's just because the elders have always stressed that to us. I've got to see a mix say that to people. I got to see Obazan say that to people. I got to say, see Chato, everybody say that to people. All these, all these people that I really respect and admire tell them, hey, I can't translate your name back into Ojibwe because everybody has a certain way to say something. The dreamer might have had a, a unique way to say that name, even if it's just Sky Woman or something. It could, there could be a thousand different possibilities. So Nainalgijik, I would think about that every single day. What does that mean to me? And then I started to understand, maybe this is why I like sitting on the edge of a room. Maybe this is why I like sitting on the edge of something and looking back at everybody else, but knowing that on the other side of me, there's something else there. And then um, maybe this is why I like looking up at the stars at night. Maybe this is why I, I, I don't know, think of there's endless possibilities that anything's possible. So I really try to figure out what that Ojibwe name means to me and what I can do with it and how it helps me and how it helps me learn who, about who I am every single day. And the most important part, knowing how to say my Ojibwe name. That old, that my went, eh, he was kind enough to tell me what it means. And it's kind of a rare Ojibwe name. Not too many people have it. There's only two other people that have that Ojibwe name. And so, with the elders, after I got the Ojibwe name, people up in Canada, Ojibwe-speaking communities, they would ask me, what's your name? What's your Ojibwe name? Knowing that I don't speak Ojibwe, but knowing that I have one, I say, Nainalgijik. They would ask me, what does that mean? So the Ojibwe speakers wouldn't know what that means. And then I'd come back home. I came back home down here. And the elders would ask me down here, well, what does your Ojibwe name mean? And right away, right when I got out of that spot, we got back to Red Gut, Nigigun, Siminikoning, where I was staying when I went to that sweat when I stayed up in Canada for two weeks when I first sobered up. And my mentor, Gail Jones, she's a gifted individual, first language speaker. She said, hey, just so you know, you're not supposed to translate your Ojibwe name. You shouldn't. She said, if somebody wants to know what your Ojibwe name means, they should know Ojibwe. They should learn Ojibwe. And then the elders in her own community, they started asking me, what does it mean? And then when I come back home, when I came back home and started working with people in Mille Lacs, they'd always ask me, what does your Ojibwe name mean? And so I'm like, man, it's going to be disrespectful if I say something to, if I, if I don't translate the name for them. So I make exceptions once in a while, especially for the elders that really, that really want to know what my Ojibwe name means. But then thinking about my clan, always thinking about my clan, how does that, 
what does that mean for me? What does that do for me? How does it make me the person who I am? One of the first things that I did when I first sobered up, and I never shared this, I do this once in a while, I'll do it, because it, you're, you should, you should take care of your clan in any spiritual way that you've been taught. My clan's the bear. And when I first sobered up, my brother and my, uh, once in a while, Mia, my dad was big on making sure that I control my emotions, that I don't overreact to things, that I don't, um, you know, he's always said, he always stressed since I was like a little kid, four or five years old, control your emotions, control your emotions. I heard this all my life. And so when I got, when I sobered up, Gail again had shared, she said, you know what you should do? You know, since you're all over the place, since you're struggling, you should feed your clan. I said, well, and she said, it'll help you control your emotions. Again, that idea of controlling your emotions, having your, you know, having emotional balance or control or, uh, how to recalibrate myself. So I would feast my clan every once in a while. Wherever they'd be, I'd go bring them food, put down my tobacco, feed that bear so that I can control my emotions, control my anger, control um, quick decisions that I have, quick decisions without thinking. So I would always put food and stuff out for the bears. Every once in a while. Something that I did early on in recovery a lot. And, you know, I think, I've, I believe that helped me a lot in my recovery. And then Wayne Jabayan. All three things. Wayne Jabayan, Papashkomanitik, where I'm from. Always believing in that. Because that's where, that's where I'm from. That's a home that had that. Those our homes, the places that we come from, that make up that makes up who we are. So you know, I I have the good solid foundational identity as an Ojibwe person. I know my Ojibwe name, something that nobody can take away. I know my clan. I take care of my clan. I got teachings about my clan. I know things about my clan because I'm out in the woods. I can watch a bear. I can run into bears out in the woods. I can see how they react. I could see how they, you know, I can go on YouTube and watch videos on bears and see how they are. And then my community, you know, some of the most important things about a person is the community that they come from. Once you have that solid foundation of, as a cultural identity, nobody can take those things away from anybody ever. You have that for the rest of your life. You Nobody can take that away from you. You can go to prison. You can go to jail. You can go to, you can get killed. You can move away. You can, um, you can go to space now. You know, if you know the right people, you can take that ride with Elon <laughs> Musk, whatever. But seriously, you can do all these things. You can move away. You can go to prison. You can go to jail. You can get stuff taken away from you. You can lose your car. You can lose your job. You can lose um, 
anything in your life, anything, you know, any bad shit can happen in your life. But if you, no matter what, you have your Ojibwe name, something that nobody can take away from you. You have your clan, something that nobody can take away from you. You have your community that you're proud of and you belong to and you uh, you grew up in it's things where you learn about Ojibwe people and Ojibwe knowledge and Ojibwe traditions, something that nobody can take away from you. So once you have that solid, that's how, that's the most basic thing that anybody can have if they choose to and they believe in it. And maybe it's the most important thing to your foundation of your identity because nobody can mess with it. Everything else can happen. Your whole life could crumble apart. But no matter what, however big that foundation is, even if it's as tall as you are, it should be as tall as you are because it's who you are, you lose everything. At the end of the day, you still have everything that you were given as an Ojibwe person. I think that's really important. And if and that's kind of what I've relied on so much in my own recovery, my own sobriety. And it's more recovery nowadays than sobriety. I heard a saying the other day, and I'm, it's still hitting home. It's still making me think, when sobriety fails, try recovery. Oh, but when I so, I was my life, uh, you know, in the last year, super rough, the hardest times of my life, testing my sobriety, testing my my long term sobriety, really really hard, and and in a moment of clarity in October, I could see it that my life was becoming unmanageable, and that's one of the huge things of of knowing that you're going to slip, knowing that you're going to fall off, or knowing that things were going to get harder. And they did for a while. But that I could do something about it, that I had the the choice to make a change, the choice to the work on some, work on myself, to make my own life better. So um, recovery, doing everything recovery-related now, Instead of just focusing on my sobriety, so working on recovery, working on self-care almost every single day, doing something for myself every single day. If it's in terms of, and it all relates to my identity as an Ojibwe person. Um, going to therapy. One thing that uh, Lee Staples stresses to everybody. He said, you know what? More Ojibwe people, more Indian people should do therapy. So they, they act like I'm telling them that they're crazy or that they're, they're unstable or something. And he said, you know what? You should try therapy. She said, you're 35 years old. You do funerals. No 35-year-old person does funerals. You do these other ceremonies you got. Um, you know, you're working on language you you have a family you have all these other things going on in your life you have traumatic experiences 
you have your own traumatic experiences, you have your historical trauma that you have to deal with. He said, you should go to therapy and make sure you're taking good care of yourself. I finally listened to him. He'd been telling me that for years. He said, you know, you should try therapy. Make sure you take good care of yourself. I was I'm just like everybody else. I'm like, man, therapy's for crazy people. Therapy's. I don't need that. <laughs> I finally listened to him. Got myself in therapy. Found, uh, and my therapist freaking awesome. Always challenging me. I go in there. I Then the way I work is the way I work my recovery. The way I work learning Ojibwe, the way I work, um, anything in my life. It's not going to, uh, I'm not going to waste somebody else's time and I'm not going to waste my own time. So I have a, I'm going there on purpose. I make a conscious decision to go to therapy. I know why I'm going there. I know I'm going to let release whatever feelings, emotions, that I need to talk about, work through, and let that stuff out in the room and then leave. But uh, what I appreciate about my therapist is she listens, and then she'll ask me questions, ask me good questions that I'd never thought about asking myself because I like asking myself questions. I ask myself questions all the time. I'll question myself. More than anybody else, I question myself. I question why I'm doing something, how I'm doing it, what I can do better, what I'm not doing. One of the things that I like doing at the end of the day, and I'll do it, I don't know, three, four times a week. What am I not doing? What am I not doing in my life that I could do better? That would literally make my life better. And it's it's a really, it's a really powerful question to ask yourself every single, if you did it every single day can't lie to yourself you can't tell yourself hey you're doing everything right charlie you're doing everything right you're an awesome individual you know give yourself a pat on the back maybe you should go outside go out and have a good time spend a couple hundred bucks at the casino maybe you can do a, a shot or two maybe you can go out there and smoke a joint you know, you've, you're doing everything right. No, I'm not doing everything right. I know that there's things that I can work on. And some of the, you know, I sit at, I sit on my, I usually lay in bed. I don't sit at the end of my bed or anything. I lay in my bed and I'll ask myself, man, what am I not doing? One of the things that I always comes up is that I should try harder at work. I should try harder at work it's doing more at work than I'm doing right now because the administration stuff drives me crazy I can do the administration stuff I don't like doing the administration stuff feel like I'm not doing enough for the Ojibwe language and I'm not working with the elders enough to document it and that's one of the things that I tell myself every single day uh, every single time I ask myself that question I'm not working on the language enough I should dedicate myself more to it it's not enough to just pay the bills. How about some of your events coming up? I know you got some events coming up. I know you got weekly stuff going on with uh with your work, and it's and, and it's and it's actually all for the community. So let let let's uh get a little schedule on that. So right now, 
At the Cultural Center, Kegona happens every Tuesday. Bill Howes, a.k.a. Nawakwe. He will do Ojibwe language sessions, semi-immersion, and then structure, grammar stuff built into that. That happens every Tuesday from 6 to 7 or 8, however long they choose to go. But it happens at 6 every single Tuesday. Um, right now we are doing Gigabaga Dewewen, traditional lacrosse. That happens at the Brooks and Community Center every Thursday. Tonight happens every single Thursday out there from 5 to 8. So first part of that is doing skill work with the kids. 5 to 6 is just is just dedicated to the little kids. So we'll teach them the basics to playing Baga Dewewen. Baga Dewewen. And then from 6 to 8, Nothing but a game for the entire time almost. Some some skill activities to so we can take a break from playing games, from playing the game. Uh, you know, catch a breather. We'll do some skill-based games of, like, doing a skill and splitting up into teams and running up and down the basketball court. On February 18th, we have the first, and I'm proud to say this, the first red carpet formal event happening for Fond du Lac at oh, the Black cool. Bear Otter Creek Center. You guys are all invited. Um, you know, Bill and I, my brother, have worked with him since 2012. And one thing that we've always wanted to, it's been a, probably been a dream for him longer than it has for me. I like dressing up in a suit once in a while. I mean, who doesn't? You feel like John Wick or <laughs> James, James Bond. Bond? Yeah. Who doesn't like wearing a suit? And who doesn't like wearing a dress? Who doesn't like getting dressed up for one night for an occasion? And we don't do that ever on Fond du Lac. And so we we're finally in positions where. And I finally got him to come over to Fond du Lac. He was a longtime employee at, at Duluth Public Schools, and I talked him into coming over and working for me. I've worked for him multiple times. Now he works for me, but I never think of it, him working for me. I still, It's kind of still weird. <laughs> We're more on the same level than who's working for who. Because Bill is a hell of a administrator far better administrator than i am but been a long time dream of doing this event a formal event for the community for people to dress up and do something cool and creative and it's a storytelling event we have three acts that night uh opening act nigani benesique freaking amazing uh ojibwe speaker ojibwe teacher and tells legends. She's, she's just freaking amazing. And then we got Megazi and Neeb. They're going to be co-headlining. They're, we kind of say one's headli- oh, headlining each other because we respect both of them so much. And then they respect each other. So that's February 18th. 
starting at five o'clock, five to six, red carpet event, red carpet photos happening at that time. Six to seven, dinner. And seven to ten, storytelling. Dinner's on us. Then we have a non-alcoholic bar. Sparkling, hopefully sparkling grape juice. Is that your favorite? For the kids. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I like, um, I just like Perrier. Or, um, I don't know what's the other one. I like sparkling water. I can drink it all the time. Um, I probably like it because I like to, I used to like to drink. I like them bubblers. Bubblers are there good. You go. yeah, oh, yeah, those uh, blueberry bubblers. So we'll be having a non-alcoholic bar and it'd be cool. You know, we you know, formal event should have something that looks like champagne, something that looks like a cool mixed drink, <laughs> but it's not a mixed drink. Something fancy. Yeah. <laughs> Just fancy. Just looking fancy. <laughs> and then um, some things that are in the works. I mean, we are working on doing our own podcast out there, just strictly on culture and language and inviting elders in, you know, the elders that we work with and people that are working on the Ojibwe language, Ojibwe culture, and revitalizing that. Kind of doing bilingual interviews with them the entire time and um, just trying to get... And it's my it's my pet project, but I've been doing too much administrative work. That's one of the things that you know I could ask myself that question: What am I not doing the podcast? Because it's been on our it's been on the board of things to do for over a year now, two years now. And I can ask myself and be honest with myself: I haven't done it. I just haven't done it. But that's still in the works. We still plan out. We still meet on it. We still try to figure out how we're going to do it and when we're going to launch it. <clears throat> What's it called? Um, we don't have a good name for it yet. I mean, I don't know what was the last working name that we had for it. Um, I don't even know what we called it last time. We have, we've had so many different Ojibwe names for it. We come up, go and come into work one day thinking about the podcast and, hey, what do you think about this name? And we'll write it down. So we have, I don't know, probably four or five, six, seven names for it already. That we haven't been, this is going to be it. Just trying to get something sm- short enough that people can say it, but then something meaningful where it's a meaningful translation. So it's kind of trying to find a balance between yeah. the two all the time. And that's what we're doing right now with the with the signage out there. If you guys check out the signage on Fond du Lac, what we're always trying to do, what we're trying to incorporate is um, short Ojibwe meaningful words, shorter, easier to pronounce, um, and to build upon that, because when the Ojibwe names, signage, street names, whatever, when that first started happening out there, people would go in the dictionary and say, "Hey, the street name should be I don't know Tamarack Fence, something like that, whatever." Tamarack fence being one of the longest Ojibwe words out there. Or blueberry pie. Maybe the street name should be blueberry pie because it would be funny and actually wouldn't be funny because what happens out there and what's happening and hopefully, you know, people think about this when they get asked to help do names for anything, especially in a different language, is that you got to think about the 
the fire department. Got to think about the ambulances. Oh, Got to think about point. the 911 services. And these guys are getting lost out there. So when we come up with a, when people had come up with a long name, like, well, where the heck is meaning Boschka Minister going to be two Sidrigan? Where's Blueberry Pie Street? We don't know. And then when they're trying to pronounce it over the, you know, over the system, it's just butchered and they don't know where they're going. So, you know, at the same time, you've got to be, um, you know, being more, more conscious um, in our, our you know, conscientious with thinking about how we name things, how we come up with names for things. So, you know, it's not just affecting us as Ojibwe people. It's affecting, it is affecting us as Ojibwe people because if somebody's having a heart attack on a street somewhere, they can't make it because they don't know how to say the name. They don't know where that is. And we changed the Ojibwe street name without telling anybody else, you know, right. people can get hurt. Yeah. And people have got hurt. People have, uh, it's taken 10, 20, 30, 40 minutes extra to find a place because we've changed the name and no one did any groundwork to share the that name with um, the local emergency services. Oh, and then we're, uh, we have our social media, obviously. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And what we're doing there is we're just Facebook being the some of the our where most of our followers are at, and just throwing out free stuff to Ojibwe learners all the time. Right now, I'm doing a series on Gunaway Nindizowin self care. So, whatever making memes of sayings. In Ojibwe or self care, all all related to self care, and putting that out every couple of days or three four times a week, putting a a saying or or something to do with self care every single. Week. I saw that the other day. Uh, Mazina Egan, is that what it was? Mazina Egan, <coughs> a little bit of self care. Oh, Gunaway Nindizowin. Gunaway Nindizowin. That's self care, right? Yeah. Okay. So one and of them. I saw something below it. Something, um, oh, Mazenari gun. Yeah, the little yeah. acts of self care. It's a book that I read. Yeah, I like that. I, I saw that. So, uh, thinking about his question before, you know what I used to do for ceremony for self care. Self care. I did ceremony for a long time, just working on self care all the time, and that's where I got majority of it from. Just working on self-care all the time, every single day, you know, focused on when can I do the next funeral? When can I do the next sweat? When can I do, go to the next ceremony? And I started getting burnt out. It's a common, common thing everybody had told me to watch out for. Everybody who was in my position before as a younger person being involved in ceremony and language and culture. Everybody was telling me, hey, my good friend, Mike Dahl from White Earth, he had told me, he said, you know, maybe just pick up the funeral and leave it at that for now. Just don't do any more. So I did. I listened to him. But I, I started getting burnt out on doing the funerals even. But that's where I was getting a lot of my self-care and my identity from. I was working on myself at, at all the time, just doing ceremony and 
being focused on that, being a good Ojibwe person and giving back to the community's uh, service work. Um, and I didn't want to do it anymore at one point. And then I started doing this self-care stuff, going to therapy, um, taking care of myself, going to the gym, um, sauna, sweats for myself, not trying to worry about anybody else, but doing something for me. Mm-hmm. Or even just going to get coffee like every single day. Like once in a while, like two, three, four times a week, I'll go get a latte. And I'll just chill and sit there and drink my latte. And this is what I'm doing for myself today. 10, 15 minutes drinking my coffee, not thinking about anything. And just being my authentic self. So thinking about that, doing something for myself every single day to keep me grounded so that... um I don't spiral out of control. Right. But self-care is, uh, I think that's what people do once they get into recovery. You know, they like attending a million ceremonies. And then if you're crazy enough to say yes to somebody, hey, you should learn how to do the ceremony. And then they learn how to do that ceremony. And then they're going to get burnt out on that. Then you got to learn how to take care of yourself without ceremony and with ceremony at the same time. It's really hard. It's a tricky thing. It's, uh, you know, it's a couple of us should probably get together and maybe make a work plan, work book or something. If you're going to learn how to do ceremony coming out of recovery, this is what you should do. Give yourself your own time to take care of yourself without it. Cause, and then figure out where you're going to put that. Because I almost quit. I almost quit a couple times doing funerals because I've just done too many. I didn't want to do it anymore. And that old man this summer, Lee Staples, is doing a reburial for a reburial for Highway 23 project. And in his talk, he's, Chato and I were there. He said, uh, in, in the language, he said, so that Chato and I can keep doing the work when he's gone. I was like, shit. And it, I, I wanted to tell him that, you know, hey, I'm thinking I'm going to be done. Yeah. Then he goes and does a ceremony and he <laughs> talks to all those spirits. And um, there was Money Duke that he was praying to. And he said, so that I can keep doing the work. So I'm like, it's ne- I'm never going to be able to quit. And so I had to figure out a way to want to do it because I want to do it. Not that I need to do it. Because I, I don't like doing something that I need to do. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like I need to do it. This is something I need to do because some somebody gave me tobacco. I don't like feeling like that. So what I did, and this this guy, out of the blue, texts me, hey, you want to come to a meeting? And I was like, what the hell? Why, why would you ask me that? I'm like, I don't do those things. I don't go to meetings. I haven't gone to any meetings in my entire recovery he's like you well i'm doing we meet on wednesdays or there's a meeting on tuesday there's a meeting every day of the week if you want to come i'll (laughs) invite you to every one of them everyone i'm at you can come and so i started going to meetings and then i learned about service work giving back to the community na community and a lot of the funerals that we funerals that we do out there are from over overdoses. 
and then helping people, you know, with grieving and, you know, a lot of people struggle out there with uh, drugs and addiction and alcohol. And so figuring out that this is something that I do for service work, you know, compartmentalize that. But it kept me from going insane. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, because I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit again. Uh, and then once I did the, once I started doing the meetings and saying, this is something I'm giving back to. This is part of my service work. This is, I could say, I, I checked that box, service work, when I agreed to do a funeral. That, that I'm helping somebody that, I know that there's people going to be in the crowd that are in active addiction or recovery. That I can, I've been given teachings and life lessons and experiences that I can share with them to help them recover. I get a lot out of what you say and how you talk, man. I really do. Like, and I listen and I listen for the new things, you know, I listen for new solutions even, you know, like, and, and I just hope other people do, you know, other people can kind of take that same route or focus on the same thing, man, that, you know, put you where you're at today, you know, like, and that put us all where we're at today. Cause you know, I mean, we all had a different way of getting here, you know, and, and it's like, I, I'm more directed towards the way you're living your life right now. And that's, you know, that's, you're one of my biggest inspirations, Charlie, you really are. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you guys next week till then. Hey, hi, see ya. Hi, 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 h